Blog Talk Radio. If it's smooth jazz, then the Jazz Queen and Mike Reynolds are talking about it on Talking Smooth Jazz, the smoothest show on Internet radio. Your host, the Jazz Queen and Mike Reynolds. Hello and welcome to Talking Smooth Jazz. My name is Terry, a.k.a. the Jazz Queen. Mike, how are you? Hey, Terry, I'm what's great. going on? Everything is great tonight. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We got two Mike. Michael. That's right. <laughs> hey, Michael LinkedIn, how you doing? <laughs> oh, you guys are sneaky over there, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got two Michaels now. Okay, so Mike Reynolds, I'll have to call you Mike Reynolds. <laughs> well, actually, I go by Michael. So Mike and Michael. So that, that Okay, works. there we go. There we go. Okay. All right. Good. <laughs> good to have you back, Michael. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. If you would like to join us in the chat room along with Ollie J, please go to TalkingSmoothJazz.com and click on Michael LinkedIn's picture that will bring you into the show page. Below that is the chat room. The phone number is 646-716-5485, 646 716 Five four eight five. If you would like to call in and speak to Michael LinkedIn, he has a brand new CD called Second Nature, and um, this is a pretty good release for you, Michael. Welcome back to the show. It's been a while since we talked to you. Yeah, probably uh, on the last a couple of years ago, right? I would think. Yes, yes, yes. It has been a minute. Yeah. So congratulations yeah. to you on this new release. Thank you, thank you. Um, it's been uh, this is a fun one for me. It actually came out yesterday, so. So brand spanking new. Brand spanking new. And the San Diego County News says Second Nature is LinkedIn's most impressive album to date. Would you agree with that? Well, um, you know, I'd like to think every time I release something, I did the best that I could at that particular moment in time. Um, I think this is probably um, – I can't. It's hard to say. They're like they're like babies. They're like kids, right? Uh, I am pretty excited about this album. I, I have to say because um, it started with a vision that I had, actually uh, starting with my album before, which is uh, Soul Appeal, mm-hmm. taking myself back to sort of the roots of where it all began for me, which was uh, Memphis uh, soul and rhythm and blues music, something I listened to growing up in Europe, and ultimately took me to. Um, to America, and then um, wanted to get touch back back in touch with those roots, which I kind of started on Soul Appeal, but this one for me is when it really all came together. I, it, I mean, every every vision, every dream that I had, and kind of came together, you know, and including recording in Memphis at Royal Studios with members of the Al Green Band, with members from the Stax Rhythm Section using the Memphis horns, working with the Dap Kings in New York, uh, working with uh, Booker T, which is, um, um, you know, I mean, they're just dreams that are being fulfilled, and I think, therefore, it's really, really exciting for me, this album. So, now... um Talk a little bit about the artists that are with you on this, in addition to Booker T. Uh, who else are you featuring? Well, we have uh, Taylor Dane uh, on, on vocals and also um, Cy Smith, who is an extremely talented um, uh, soul singer that I have wanted to work with for a while. And uh, 
So we got that. We got Ray Parker Jr. We got Paul Jackson Jr., Lenny Castro, Barry Eastman, who is playing keyboards and also produced the album. And, uh, you know, as I, as I mentioned to you, musicians from both Al Green's band and the Stacks Rhythm section, the Memphis Horns, the Dap Kings, Booker T. Jones. So, you know, there's a, oh, Brian McGuire. Can't uh, leave my buddy Brian Culpitson out, who actually played on a really funky trombone solo. Uh, yes, when I saw Brian's name, I thought you know he was going to be doing keyboards, but I was surprised to, to learn that he was playing the trombone um, on this on it. So okay, cool. Yeah. So you know, okay. I mean, it, it, it's, yeah. I, I just tried to I, I, the whole thing. I just kind of like I wanted to shake. Wanted to shake the whole thing up. I mean, I'm, most people probably were expecting Brian to play keyboards or produce or write, and I just basically had, had, had him come in and do uh, trombone solo, Ella Fred Wesley from James Brown's band, that kind of kind of feel. So, and then he did a, an amazing job. So it's fun. Uh, it's, the whole thing was just the whole thing. Also, was I feel that with Soul Appeal, we sort of got the template of how we wanted to do it, and on this one, it just was fun because we kind of all knew what we needed to do and what needed to happen. And we had learned some things from, from the prior project. And um, mm-hmm. so it, it was just a, it was a blast recording. I, I wanted to make this album even more up-tempo, even more production, even though everything is organic and raw, uh, all recorded live, but I wanted to just have more elements where um, solo appeal was a little more sort of basic. And this one has sort of more fun stuff, if you will. Um. Okay. Well, now, the first song I want to play on this is Soul Finger. Now, the CD has all original cover, all originals, except for this song. And when I saw this title, I wondered, is this the Soul Finger that I know? And I played it. Yes, it is. Why did you choose this song? Well, um, actually, um, by that time, but we, we had recorded most of the album. There was no covers on it. And I, I thought to myself... I always try that, just, I don't know, for good luck or just the way I feel about it, but I always should have at least one cover on there. But I wanted, you know, I mean, all the amazing songs has been done over and over again, and I did Shotgun. Shotgun would have been another one for me to pick, but I already recorded that in 2010. So I was doing some just, you know, research of like, okay, I'm going to Memphis. What, what What would be a cool Memphis song, instrumental Memphis song, you know, and I didn't mm-hmm. want to record Green, Onion, Green Onions because Booker T was playing on Beale Street. So all of a sudden I'm going, you know what, Soul Finger. And I, it's so interesting that I, haven't even, I couldn't even find another cover version except the original from the Bar Case. I'm sure there is one, but, but I just couldn't find it. So it's one of those songs that people – it was a big hit. It was the, the Bar Case, uh, which was some Stax records, only – really big hit and uh, everybody knows it but everybody all, also forgot about it including myself so i just thought it was such a it was perfect going to memphis and then i said we gotta we gotta record soul finger and they were all smiling and laughing and going what a, what does a boy from copenhagen know about soul finger but oh, yeah they sure, they sure, <laughs> they sure caught me up to up to speed really quick the first thing that they did at rural studio was order fried chicken and then we went and recorded soul finger so they they oh, called me man. Off the yeah, I know. It's it's really <laughs> true. Yeah. Well, I have to tell you that you are bringing back memories from my childhood with Green Onion and Shotgun and Soul Finger. I know, right? And I'm going back to the time when my parents had house parties and they were playing these right. songs. And right. we as kids were, you know, we wanted to join the party, but we were supposed to be in right. bed, sleep, and we were all out 
trying to sneak in, get get some food and everything. Oh my God, you just bring back all those memories with these phones. I have seen pictures wow. and videos from from back from back then where they actually dragged a speaker out in the streets and they basically had block parties. So you know, yes. dancing to this kind of music, you know, and and that's why one of the songs they did, I called it Block Party. Um, and I mean, I, it just for me, you know, I, I also grew up listening. The, of course, not living in America didn't have the same experience that that you guys did, but I still grew up listening to this kind of music, so it was kind of second nature to me. Which is really why I called the album Second Nature is because this music I was got it all started for me. I started on clarinet, and when I discovered King Curtis and Junior Walker and the All Stars, I was like, the saxophone is definitely where it's at. So I've been I've been listening to this my whole life, and and um. And, you know, just have played so many years now, I just felt that my connection to my instrument and my connection to this music are both second nature to me. And that's that's where the title came. Oh, man. Wow. What memories. What memories. All right. Uh, Mike, Mike, do you have a question before I go into this Soul Finger song? Actually, no, because Mike answered the question about, you know, the title of the um, the CD and everything. I was going to ask him how did he come up with that and, and uh, you know, but he answered that within the um, answer that he just gave. So yeah, I don't have it right now. You you know okay, why well, I I'm think gonna... you have such. Uh, I was just gonna Go say, you know why I think you have such great memories about it is because because the music back in those days felt that they made you mm-hmm. feel good, which is something mm-hmm. that that is a little hard to find with modern music. It's the modern music sounds good, but does it feel good? You know, mm. and that's that's this that was this what this music did that's back so in true. the day. The, the artists, the songs, the music, it was honest, it was real, and it made people feel good. That's and right. That's, <laughs> why think, Mike and the- that's why I think that people have great memories. Yeah. 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 Which yeah, Mike and I were having a conversation say. just the other night about that, and I I mm-hmm. quoted the uh, <laughs> Temptations, Ain't Too Proud to Beg, you know, that, right. I mean, words like that, that's real music, and that was music that, right. you know, I'm I, I'm not too proud to beg, I camp out on your doorstep all night long, ain't too proud to beg right. for your love, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, that, sure. you know, oh, that was one of, one of uh, my producer, Barry Eastman's and myself's barometers for both Soul Appeal and for Second Nature was like, we don't. We, we really only care about how does this music make you feel? Does it make you? Does it feel good? That's that was it. So that's why we recorded it all live with the guys and made it feel good. Didn't stop until it did. Mm. So. Mm. Cool. Love it already. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. Here is Soul Finger. <laughs>
Ooh, that is hot right there. That is hot. That is Soul Finger from Michael Lincoln's yeah. new release, Second Nature. Man. That's the kind of music I like. Up-tempo, fiery. Love that one. Yeah. It's fun to listen. It almost, you know, when, when I'm listening back to it, it, it and not in a sort of studio setting on my own studio, when you listen back to it over headphones, and it's, it really sounds like you're listening to a radio station back in the 60s. So funny. That's right. Mm-hmm. 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 Good feel to it too. Yes. I like that. that was, yes. Well, that I was agree. All the I, I agree. That, that was that was all the musicians from Memphis. So they they made it feel like that. I mean, this is basically. I, I didn't. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if some of those guys actually played. You know, uh, I mean, I'm sure they have played it a million of times because it was such a famous Memphis song. But yeah, they certainly made it feel great. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. now I'm gonna ask you too, Michael. You know, how was the experience of going to the Sax Museum down there? The Sax Museum down there in Memphis and everything, and you know, kind of uh, immersing yourself into the um, you know fabric of the um, the whole area and the museum. Well, I mean, I st- this was how the whole thing started for me. I, I uh, that wasn't on the same trip. I did that as a, 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 a prior trip because I was invited to go play at the Grand Ole Opry and um, in Nashville. Um, and um, as I'm going out there uh, or planning my trip out there, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to stop in Memphis. I've never been there. Um, and, you know, I, I, I loved all the music from there. I grew up listening to the music from there. So I, I said, I'm going to, I'm going to do, I'm going to do Memphis. I'm going to, I'm going to really get myself saturated into the entire vibe and the whole thing. So I, um, I call, I knew I wanted to go to the Stax Museum. And uh, I called my buddy, Kirk Whalen, who lives there, and I said, um, what, what do we do? And he says, well, I'll, you know, you go, you got to go to the museum and check the whole thing out. And then you got to go to Royal Studios, which is the home of Al Green. studio was originally built by uh, Willie Mitchell, who uh, discovered Al Green and produced all his records until he passed away. And then his son, Boo Mitchell, uh, still runs the studio. So he says, you got to go to Royal Studios and check that out. So I went there checked the studio out and said, I'm going to come back and record here. And then, you know, uh, the, the the Stacks experience was just great because, you know, um, just to be in there and the studio where they recorded all the songs is still, it's still there. And it's so great um, to, uh, to the pictures I've seen for years and years now, you can sort of put, put it all in perspective. And, uh, and, and so I wanted that background. I wanted that authenticity and, um, so when I, you know, and then I came back, you know, probably three months later and actually recorded part of my album there. And I had Boo Mitchell, Willie's, Willie's son, put together. I said, you know, I wanted to do it the real the real way with the real guy. So he said, I need you to help me put these things together. And he says, well, why don't we get the Hodges brothers from Al Green's band? And then we'll get Lester Snell, who was a music director, arranger, producer at Stax Records to arrange and arrange the horns and play Hammond B3. And so we just put it together like that. And it was just, it was the real deal. And that's why it sounds like that. Mm. Wow. And now the cover picture, was that taken in Memphis? No, I was taken in Los Angeles, but, um, okay. you know, we, we, uh, it's just kind of, you, you take, you, you try to, you try to take scenes or try to take pictures that matches the music. And uh, so that's why we kind of mm-hmm. did, a little bit of a kind of has a little bit of a blue notey kind of feel to it with the black and white, but then the color font and and um, but it has a little grunge to it with the with that wall in the back. So 
you know, you just try to match the vibe. But um, it would have been hard to do the full production as far as taking pictures down. You have to go back and schedule it. And, you know, it's a bigger production to take a whole um, cover photo session there. But, you know, not a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can I can tell by listening that you guys had a great time putting this CD together. Um, and oh, I'm glad. This was a. Yeah. I bet it. Yeah, I bet it was. And I was also happy to hear that it was live. That you were all in the studio, playing, you know, doing it live. So, and that's very rare these days. You don't find that a lot. Very. I mean, it's all, it's also very expensive, but <laughs> but it's very. <laughs> but, but but you can't do a record like this and go in and try to piece it together. You have to do it, and and it included me. I had to, I, and well, first of all, there's no way you're going to keep me out of the studio playing with those guys in Memphis. I could tell you that right now. But even in L.A., mm-hmm. where we recorded in L.A., we went to one of the oldest studios here, Sunset Sound, where you know some of the greatest records were recorded. As a matter of fact, very interestingly, uh, Prince's Purple Rain was recorded at Sunset Sound. As a matter of fact, the Studio 2 or Studio B over there is called Prince's Room. And uh, but not only that, you know, you're talking about uh, Pet Sounds from the Beach Boys was recorded there, Stairway to Heaven. Um, you, you know, I mean, uh, just really classic, classic records. And uh, so we recorded there and we put together an, sort of an old school feeling um, rhythm section, two different rhythm sections, which both included Paul Jackson Jr. and Freddie Washington and bass, and Teddy Campbell, Lenny Castro. And, um, Paul Jackson Jr. So just really stellar, stellar musicians. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I want and to record, read, and I recorded have a, live, and recorded live there too. Uh, you know. So. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Best of the best, right there. Just, um, uh, I have a, a couple, a couple of reviews. Um, I want to read another one. Uh, this one is from Ronald Jackson from the smoothjazzride.com. He says, if you love the spirit of soul, blues, jazz, funk, and plenty of melody and rhythm, you're going to grab a copy of this blazer and let the satisfying blanket of cool just wash over your smiling soul. It's a great review. And you can read the full review on the smoothjazzride.com of Michael Langton's Second Nature CD. Yes, indeed. All right. Mike, you have, any, you have another question? Otherwise, I'm going to get into another song. Um, no, I wish that's the song to ask the question. Okay, uh, Michael, I'm going to let you pick it. You want me to pick a song? Yes, sir. Is that what you're saying? Well, why don't we do Beale Street, which is uh, the, the track featuring um, Booker T. Jones. Oh, wonderful. All right, this is Beale Street.
That was Bill Street from Michael Langton's brand new release, Second Nature. Uh, Michael, I know you said that you grew up on the Memphis, you know, the, mu- the music from the 60s and the 70s and the Memphis sound, but did you do any additional research on on Memphis, the, the, the style of music back there for this release? Oh. Well, yeah. I mean, that started many years ago. Like, I really, I mean, I would listen to the music on, on radio uh, and buy the records uh, when I grew up in Co- in Copenhagen in the '80s. But but when I got into start making um, my Soul Appeal album, which is the previous one, you know, I studied. I mean, for hundreds of hours because what I had to, I didn't want to do a cover album, so I had to write all of these songs in that style, and that's something I've never done before. Usually, I just write music. This is my ninth album. I just write music for a project, and then somehow we make it all fit together. This was almost writing for a movie. It was a very specific sound that we were looking for. So stylistically, I, I had to be so familiar. It had to be second nature to me how to write these music too. Otherwise, it wouldn't be authentic, if you know what I mean. You know, you can't write a smooth yeah. jazz song, put a couple of Memphis musicians on it, and then think it's going to sound like uh, Otis Redding. That ain't going to work, you know. So mm-hmm. so I would listen to every song written and just completely um, saturate myself in anything Memphis. As a matter of fact, um, for years, and and, and uh, I would just listen like like two years prior to making Soul Appeal in 2014. I the only I would have Soul Town on on my radio station. Like um, it just like every time I got in my car, it'd come on that. I wouldn't even change the station. I just wanted even if it wasn't listening. I, I mean, I would just it would just be absorbing because subconsciously I I would be picking up uh, the way things were phrased, the way things were written, the the, the lyric. I mean the content. I mean everything. You know what I mean. So it was like okay. I was. I took. I took it very serious. And, uh, and th- then for the first album, I, uh, for Soul Appeal, I wrote forty songs. For this album, I wrote thirty-five songs. We only recorded you know, wow. ten or eleven. So so we kept, just kept on writing and kept on doing it. You know, and and the, the more we the, we wrote, the, the the better the tunes get, or the more authentic they get. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Okay. So, you know, I, I can kind of, you know, kind of pick up on that vibe, the way you're playing it and everything, because, like I said, everything, you know, sounds so crisp and so, you know, so up-tempo. It just sounds like you're really into it and feeling it. You know, most most guys we get, you know, they you can feel it, but it's not, it, they don't, like you said earlier, you really feel the music coming from your saxophone right. on this, on the last two tracks that we just played. You can really feel right. it, like, well, like you're into it. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, well, well, there's many reasons why that it happens that way. But one thing is, when you play with musicians, whatever it was my LA uh, studio band or, or the Memphis guy, you just you, if you're not into it, you better quit because they're yeah. they they're teeing it up so amazingly for you that you just can't help respond to it, you know. And and um, but 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 you know, and again, going back to the title, Second Nature, it's like, you know, when you ever have a conversation with somebody where you know the, the the subject in the back of your hand or you feel real comfortable or real, uh, okay, I got this. This one I know, you know, it could be a conversation. So this was a conversation where I got this, you know, I this is what I grew up listening to. This is where I respond to. This is what I feel that feels comfortable and right to me. So when somebody, when we're having a musical conversation, I know how to throw it back and they know how to keep throwing it to me and we throw it back to each other. So 
you know, so that it's a comfortable conversation. I don't want to say it did this as comfortable because there's recording live and knowing you can't go back and fix, you know, um, is, uh, will <laughs> put you an edge, you know, because you got to mm-hmm. – and I didn't want to be the guy dragging everybody down. I wanted – you know what I mean? So I had to really be on my, my best, you know. I mean, if I have the guts to go to Memphis and hire those kind of guys – I, I got to step up to the plate in an absolutely very major way. I wouldn't yeah, have, okay. Yeah. yeah. Because I, I tell you, I mean, truthfully, when I walked into that studio the first time, um, even before we recorded that first time, you know, you got a guy from Copenhagen who lives in LA who wants to play, who wants to record soul music. Uh, you know, <laughs> they they don't take you really serious at first. I gotta be honest with you. They're like, I understand what you're trying to do here, but I mean, you know what place you came to, right? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, and they were very nice about it, but I could just tell, I could just tell they were like, okay, they got some wrinkles in their forehead, going, okay, I don't know what this is gonna be all about, but but then we played them a couple of songs from from Soul Appeal, and they were like, oh. Oh, it's that kind of party. Okay, okay, all right. Well, then now we can talk a little more. And then when I came back in with the new songs and recorded those, and um, they were like, ah, okay, this is going to be a great time. I have footage of all of this too, which is so great. They were having, they totally forgot the fact that I was from Europe, <laughs> grew up across the world, and, and I wasn't from Memphis and didn't grow up in fried chicken. So, you know, uh, by the way, which is amazing in Memphis. <laughs> You know, <laughs> was there ever a time during the recording session for Second Nature that they said to you, I mean, you've gone in and you've given them the music that, you know, you've written for this release, but they said to you, well, no, it's not quite like that. It's like this. You know, I mean, I think they were just respecting everything that uh, that I, I I don't know that there was never those kind of conversations. Um, okay. But but I think they were just I you know we came I came in there with my my producer and um I, I think they just they they liked the music they liked what we were trying to do with this they liked I think they appreciated the organic and the authenticity mm-hmm. we were trying to uh, I mean the ser- how serious we were about actually making a real record that sounded like this. And I think at that point it became, it became a conversation just like, what do you think about this? I said, well, well, can we try this? And, you know, uh, it was just, you know, it just felt that they trusted us what we were trying to do. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about Taylor Dane. She is on this release and your time on the road with her. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I mean, you know, I've been friends with Taylor for many years, and, and um, um, it's kind of started with her coming out and singing at one of my shows. And then um, somebody saw it, and some promoters uh, started asking me if they could have her, uh, I mean, my show, but with her as a special guest. So we booked some of those shows, and we had such a great time. And, and um, you know, I always loved Taylor Dane, but I, as, as many others, I grew up listening to her pop music. Um, so, you know, like tell it, tell it to my heart. And, and, and I really not until, um, she showed up at my show and first of all, wanted to sing, um, R and B songs, you know, you got the love and, um, I can stand the rain. I mean, I was like, Oh, okay. That's interesting. And, uh, and then she's singing and, and she, I, it was like an incarnation of 
sort of, or, or not an incarnation, but I should say more of a hybrid of like Aretha Franklin and uh, Whitney Houston and, and a, a bunch of soul singers. I was like, oh, okay. So she, her, she's really kind of like coming from the same thing as me. She, she grew up, she must have grown up listening to soul music and, and, and rhythm and blues. So it's like me, like, like my first, most of my first albums were more considered smooth jazz or, or on the poppy side. You know, same thing with her records, you know. Okay. But, okay. But, but, but she's a soul singer at heart. And, and um, so when it came time to do this album, I said, why don't we get together, write a song, and, uh, and, uh, and there we go. And that's what we did. Cool. Okay, the song is called All Right, and here it is. Mm-hmm.
Taylor Dane. Dane. Yeah, very nice. Very nice. She was here in Vegas last. Go ahead. I was just saying, uh, well, according to Taylor, everything's going to be all right. Yeah, yeah. I was not, I was saying that she she was here last night in Vegas at the Golden Nugget. Were you with her? No, I was in New York City. Um, actually, okay. tomorrow, uh, yesterday morning, I, I taped the Today Show, which is going to air on Tuesday. So, oh, okay. Wasn't a, yeah. Okay, cool. Very cool. Now, yeah. I was going to ask you too, Mike, that, uh, you know, this release, um, Soul Appeal and Pure, were all – your last three records, and they all came out like two years apart. Then when you went into the yeah. studio, was that the, the going in? You, did you have that plan out to have these three two years apart, or just coincidentally the last three records that you released have been two years well, apart? Well, uh, I mean, I try to release an album every two years. Um, sometimes yeah. there's a little longer gap. In the beginning of my career, it had more to do with uh, uh, record label um, conditions and scheduling issues and uh, so that didn't have so much to do with it I, I try to do an album every 18 months to two years because that's it takes me that long to actually write the music and record well it doesn't take me two years but it takes me one year to write and record um, and mix and get it all and then you know and uh, so 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 Every two years is a good, is a good thing. So it was, I, I, want, I want to say that it was partly coincident that it is this way, but I don't want to take any more than two years, so I always plan that way. I should probably do it a little sooner. Um, but it's, it's just that between touring, setting up the album, writing the music for a new album, back into the studio, I mean, it's just I can only do so much. <laughs> well, so. you said that you wrote, what, like, what, 40 songs for... Um, Soul Appeal and 30 about, songs. About 35, yeah, 35. So you yeah. have the music for, what, three more CDs yeah. at least? <laughs> well, it's true. There is a lot of stuff in the vault. But the thing about it is that I look at it in a little bit different way. So a lot of the mm-hmm. tunes that we wrote, uh, there's maybe some similar tunes uh, to the ones that ended up on the album, right? And yeah. I almost would rather start from scratch again because – there's a reason why we picked the 12, 11 or 12 that end up being recorded. But with okay. that being said, I should probably go back and listen because there's probably 30 songs there at least uh, that I can't even remember what they are. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. once you make mm-hmm. the album and, and pick the songs you do, you kind of – everything else goes into sort of on a back burner. So you should probably go listen. There probably is at least another record in there. But, oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But – but but I just feel like, you know, since it's a t- every two years that I go into the writing mode, I feel I have evolved as a person and as a musician and as a writer. So I feel maybe I have something else to offer that I didn't yeah. have before. And so so, mm-hmm. so that's kind of why I, I, I almost start, start from scratch again. I don't know if that makes mm-hmm. sense, but that's yeah, kind of yeah. what I... Uh, that next yeah, CD I, I will, will be inspired by to, something else. Yeah, I mean, correct. I mean, I just want every record, as I, as I pretty much started out saying, I wanted every album to sort of um, be the best that I can be at that moment in time. And I feel that that in the last few years, I've grown grown a lot in sort of in just understanding who I am as an artist, who I am as a writer, what my direction is, and what my place in this sort of music business is. You know, and I feel I'm coming into really. 
coming into what it is that I'm supposed to be doing. All right. Now, for the listeners, um, some of you may not know, and some of you do know, that Michael owns his own cigar and wine company. So tell us about those, Michael. Yeah. So the um, the uh, the cigar company started in 2006 uh, when I was asked to host a, a cigar event. Actually, I was asked to host a non-music event in connection with a music event. They say, we'd love to have you host something for the fans that is not music related. So I made it a cigar hangout kind of thing where we're just, I don't know, smoking cigars, drinking scotch or cognac or whatever people were drinking. So I had a friend in the industry that, um, that owned some cigar stores, some tobacco stores. And I said, can, can we make my own line of cigars just for this event? And, and the, the short story is that, yes, you can, but you have to order like 4,000 cigars. So like, okay, so um, because I wanted boxes and labels, I want to kind of do it right. So, so I said, well, let's make a really great cigar because I might have to smoke 4,000 cigars. So, so we did, and <laughs> the event went really well. So um, we, we just continued the company, and then we just continued to grow it. So that's the cigar company. The wine company started about three years ago with uh, a call from a uh, winemaker up in Paso Robles, California, who said, I love what you're doing with the music and the cigars and the whole thing and um uh what about having a wine your own signature line of wine so that's what we did and um we got together created uh unique blends and unique varietals and started a company and so we've been growing that and having a lot of fun with uh with that so it's linkedin wine actually linkedinwine.com is where you can get the wine it gets um you know, it gets uh, distributed straight out of the winery, and then uh, Michael Linton Cigars, which is distributed out of Connecticut, but it's all available online. MichaelLintonCigars.com or LintonWine.com. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. It's fun. It's fun. You know, I, I there's a lot of believe it or not, there's a lot of uh, cross. What would the right be? Um, I, I use the same. Um, I use the same principles and concept creating this wine and cigars as I do making an album. You know, I look at the grapes because we're blending our own grapes and we have, he's a grower. So we have access to all the grapes in Mellow and uh, Petit Verdot, Verdot, uh, um, Malbec, uh, Cap Franc. I mean, all of the grapes. So I look at the grapes as the songs on an album. Then I look at the finished product of wine as the album itself and the look of the label and presentation is the album cover, right? And the same thing with the cigars. It's a blend of leaves, different type of leaves, different part of the plant, different plants, different countries. So all the different tobacco leaves that goes together inside um, you know, a cigar are the songs that is on an album. When you then mm. when, when you then get the box with the cigars and the label, that's your album cover. And that's the full... So I really use the same... Uh, thinking, creating these things as I do with music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. All right, so now where are you performing next? I know you're going to be here in Vegas uh, on yes. the 28th at Aliante Poolside, so that's going to be a nice that's show. Right. Yeah. That's right. Where are you, you going to be after that? Um, I will have a, my album um, release party in, um, in Silvius, California at Spagatini. Uh, on the 30th and um then uh, May 4th I'll do a um I do a uh, 
another release party in Los Angeles at Herb Alpert's Club Vibrato, which is up in Bel Air. All that stuff is all, you know, it's all listed on my website, michaellington.com. Okay. Now, I saw your so, post on your Facebook page that you were uh, also going to be at Brian's Napa Jazz Getaway. That's correct. Yeah, that's a little later. That's a late, later later on in the year. I um, Yeah. Uh, that's in June. I'll be doing some more stuff in May in Texas. And um, so, you know, I'm just touring all year round, really. Okay. I was wondering if you're going to be hosting a cigar or wine tasting event in Napa. Uh, not this year because I'm this year I'm only actually there one day. Um, okay. Uh, so uh, that we won't have time to do that this time. Okay. Okay. All right. All right, Mike. Yeah. Do you have any other Yeah, I just okay. had one 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 question. I want uh, Michael to correct me if I'm wrong, but um, back in the early '90s when you first came out, um, you were a part of the roster of Marcus Johnson, the keyboards from DC, correct? That's right. I was I did yeah. one one uh, record for his label. That's right. Okay. Yeah. But I, I kind of I, I told someone that, and he was like, "Not Michael Langton, Michael Langton." I'm like, "Yes, him. He was on Marcus Johnson's label back in the day. That was I think in the early '90s, and everything. Um, because um, that was based on no, I think, That's the first I've heard of you from way yeah. back then. Yeah, I think I was in 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 2002. Actually, that was 2001, 2002. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was a great. I mean, I, you know, again, of uh, my ninth album that is being released right now. So All I've right. been on a few different labels. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you've yeah. been around yeah. for a while. You're nine. Yeah. Yes, son. That's a lot of music. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Well, let everyone know where they can find you, Michael LinkedIn, and um, where they can find the music. Yeah, I mean, we're just uh, um, we kind of talked about it a little bit. I mean, a good destination is is my website, michaellinkton.com, and it'll take you to all the different links if you want to get it on iTunes or Amazon, or you can get signed copies um, uh, through my web store. But also, um, you can get the albums at amazon.com or the downloads at amazon.com and iTunes. And uh, also, there's kind of a cool thing that is happening right now is I launched a Pledge Music campaign. If you go to pledgemusic.com and type in my name, you'll see a campaign. And not only if you get a digital, it's called an access pass. If you get a digital access pass, it will give you a a download of the album, but it will also give you um, access to uh, exclusive content as behind-the-scenes video pictures from all the recording sessions updates, things that are not posted or listed anywhere else. Also, we have all of these unique experiences that people can uh, buy, which are, I'm talking about the sheet music we use to record um, the album with. Some of it signed, you know, by Booker T. Uh, some of it signed by me. Uh, notes from the recording session on the music. Um, you can get a private show at your house with me and my band or just me with another musician. You can get, um, let's see, uh, personalized and autographed CDs um, so you can have your name on it or anything you want to, to have if it's dedicated to somebody else. So there's a whole lot of things that you can get wow. that is just not available anywhere else at pledgemusic.com. So just check it out. There's a video wow. there um, about the making of the project and the whole thing. So it's kind of a fun 
uh, thing to go and check out. It'll tell you a lot about what uh, just happened the last, say, last year uh, as far as making this album. Definitely check wow, that out. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I definitely will. That's awesome. All right. And, All right. And, and that actually got me the, the one, wanting to ask you one more question, and that's about the use of social media to promote your music. I see that you've, you know, got the pledge campaign going. So how do you feel about the uh, use of social media to promote your music well, with the way music is well, now? Well, social, yeah, social media is a is a very very important um, tool and platform for for not just artists for, for anybody. Um, so people can certainly connect with me there. Um, Facebook, it's just my original, um, uh, music official, I should say music page on Facebook, um, Twitter and Instagram is at LinkedIn Sachs, but I use it very actively because, um, it gives you a complete insight of what I'm doing. Um, it's different content, say, that we're doing on Pledge. We're doing something very exclusive for Pledge Music. But um, it's just an update also of what I'm up to and, you know, what's happening, what's next, what's going on. Um, you know, give people sort of an insight of uh, – it's like hanging out with me, basically. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I will definitely check that out for sure and uh, cool. see what I can get access, yeah, get access to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the cool the cool thing about it is if you get with the access pass, and I think the access pass is like nine ninety nine or ten dollars, you get the album download that you get that anyway. So, um, but then you get access to all the other stuff and the updates. Even if you don't get anything else, you can see everything that goes on in the updates. So, and you get the album too. So, you know, it's kind of a win win. The whole thing. Yeah. Awesome. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Well, Michael, thank you again for another opportunity. Yes, of course. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show, and uh, it's it's a pleasure talking to you guys. Oh, our pleasure as always, as always, and I will uh, look forward to seeing you on Thursday. Sounds great. Sounds great. Wonderful. All great. Right. All right. You have a great day, and thank you again. Absolutely, my pleasure. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. All right. Saxophone is Michael LinkedIn. His brand-new release is called Second Nature. You can find that on his website, michaellinkedin.com. Um, and don't forget to check out the cigars and the wine selection, michaellinkedincigars.com and linkedinwine.com, and also the pledgemusic.com site. Definitely go and check that out. Okay, Mike, we have a few minutes. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about Prince, the passing of Prince. Everybody's been you know, that's all we've been heard, hearing about this week. And um, just kind of wanted to get your thoughts and on that. Um, I, I Well, my thoughts is that, you know, we lost a uh, great musician, you know, on the uh, 21st of April. And, um, you know, a lot of people were asking me about, you know, kids like my, 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 my son, he's 24, and my other son, he's, uh, you know, 17. They don't really know the significance of artists like that because, you know, I, I think a lot of the music they have, is is different now, you know. Like 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 Michael expressed earlier, the music had feel back then, you know, and the yeah. music kind of made you, kind of took you through some of your own situations. The music that he wrote, you know, and everything like that, you know, whether you was dealing with a, you know, a loss of a child, you know, he lost a child, whether you was dealing with a heartbreak or something like that, you know, whether you tried to be, you know, Mr. Sexy Man, Prince had all the music for you, you know, and, and he made you kind of go through those uh, range of emotions with all. I mean, this guy had 36 albums. 36. Yeah. That's a lot of music. Yeah. Yeah. He was he was, he was before his time. 
yes, definitely be before his time. And I didn't realize that when Purple Rain came out and the uh, first uh, album, the um, controversy and albums like that, he was still a teenager, basically. He was a teenager. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I was watching a documentary just before the show um, about that, and they were talking about the movie, and they were talking about um, the – I don't know if you want to call it a war, but the thing, you know, he had going on with the record label and how he eventually got out of that. So, yeah, it's just his his career and his music and, um, you know, the fact that he was able to get all of his masters back and have total control over his music after that. And in the documentary, they were saying that when he booked concerts, he did it himself. He bypassed all promoters, all of the, you know, middle people. He booked all those concerts himself. Everything he did, he yeah. did himself. Nobody did that for him. So And, and then, then a lot I of the mean, shows, you know, too, that, yeah, and a lot of the shows, too, like he booked them himself, but he also made a lot of his tours different um, uh, entities. He made them different LLCs. So once one tour right. was over, that business was done and gone with. So then when he made another tour, he just created another LLC just in case something happened. They couldn't totally sue him, you know, per se. They had to sue that itch, that, that business mm-hmm. entity, which was, mm-hmm. you know, whenever he made an LLC at that time, so they, they, they couldn't sue him for the other, you know, monies throughout the other business entities that he uh, had made up over the years and everything. He was a very smart businessman, yeah. very smart. Very smart, very smart, yes, yes, very smart, so... I'm going to miss him. I'm definitely going to miss him. My favorite song is Diamonds and Pearls. Love that song. That's my absolute yeah. favorite by him. And, Diamonds and um, Pearls, yeah, Adore, uh, Let's Go Crazy, uh, Darling yeah. Nikki from the um, Purple Rain album. I mean, it's just so, I mean, you, you can't even say you have one favorite. He had so many. You know, you you know yeah, you yeah. you say one and then your mind goes to another one and say, Oh no, oh no, oh no, okay, but that's 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 my favorite. <laughs> then you'll think about another one. No, no, that's my favorite. He had so many hits. And uh, and some right, of the people that right. he wrote music for, how did he realize it? He wrote uh, music for Chuck yeah. Khan, uh the Bengals. Just 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 um he was just a different guy, you know, um Yeah. Some, and I some, read some, too some, that when he was I read too that when he wrote music from for other people, he didn't write it under the name Prince, it was under a different name. Wow. So, yeah. That's amazing. He was. He was. He was a genius. He was a musical genius. Absolutely. And I was happy to hear from you um, that, you know, AMC Theaters will be re-releasing Purple Rain in over 160 theaters. So I'm definitely going to go and see that. I saw it when it first came out, and I'm definitely going to go back and watch it again. And it's going to be interesting to see all these years later this movie. um, Yeah. That was originally released in what eighty four or something like that? Eighty four. Um, eighty four yeah. be really interesting to I was see eleven this years movie, old this movie now. <laughs> I know, right? I was eleven years old. <laughs> right? I mean, you know, eleven year old kid going in there watching this movie and seeing Apollonia and, and then that sex scene, yes. I mean it just you know, yeah, hey Yeah, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yes indeed. What's doing it at eleven years old watching that scene? That was a scene, boy. Yeah. Man, Crazy. yes, but uh Rest in peace, Prince. You have definitely left a big hole in the music industry, yeah. and you will be missed for sure. Yeah. For, for sure. sure. And then we yes, also indeed. want to send our prayers out to 
some of our music family as well in the smooth jazz community. Uh, Marcus Anderson, mm-hmm. uh, Mike Phillips, uh, Najib, those uh, artists, Candy Dofer, those uh, four saxophones, they've worked with Prince over the years and all of the other yeah. musicians, uh, you know, throughout the years that have worked BK. with him that are in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, BK Jackson and Adrian as well. So, uh, yeah, all of those guys, we want to send our prayers out to as well because, you know, they've been affected by this uh, tragedy as well. That's right. Yeah, because B- Marcus, BK, and Adrian played with Prince for like two, three years. Um, they yeah. were Prince saxophonists, yeah. so they were on the road with him a lot. So, yes, definitely thoughts and prayers go out to them. All right, Mike, I know you are with Jordan, so I'm going to let you go so you can enjoy the rest of your day with her. And I want to thank Ollie for hanging out with us in the chat room. Thank you, Ollie, as always. You've been listening yes. to Talking Smooth Jazz with your host, the Jazz Queen. And Mike Reynolds. And we look forward to talking smooth jazz with you again next time. Until then, keep it smooth. Thank you for listening to Talking Smooth Jazz. Please visit our website, TalkingSmoothJazz.com and Mastermind-Entertainment.com. Join our Facebook fan and group pages and follow us on Twitter at Jazz underscore Queen and The Daily Grind. That's T-H-A, Daily Grind.